Father, thank you. Thank you for the honing of our hearts already, guiding us into faith this morning as we've come in worship. We've come in giving our hearts, surrendering. We've seen and heard your, your, your promises in the, in the life of little children and families that are beginning. God, thank you for breaking through. Our hearts are open to you, and we pray this word would become part of us. In Jesus' name, say amen like you mean it. Well, all right, we're starting the Christmas season. Here we go, December 4th. You ready? Three weeks till Christmas Day, and we celebrate. If you can be with us, we'd love to have you. We'll be doing one service at 10 o'clock. That's right. But if you can't, be with us Christmas Eve, and be blessed. Amen? So this morning, I want to share with you about this very simple word. It's not long, but it's a simple word about the Prince of Peace. And peace is such a powerful thing in our lives. And you know, we equate this with this peace, you know, of this, oh, Jesus is born, you know what I mean? And, and this kind of thing. But really, he has come so dramatically and so emphatically and so demonstratively and so impartingly invading our lives about the peace of who he is. And I'm going to try and unpack that. But the first couple of scriptures are iconic. They're just classic. We know Isaiah 9, verses 6 and 7. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulders, and his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. These words were chosen by Isaiah, one of the greatest prophets of prophets, from the very beginning, and it speaks in echoes of the entrance of the eternal into the temporal, the, the infinite into the finite, and it, yet it says it in a way that it's just as natural and supernatural as it can be, both extreme in its ways. And we watched up here this morning where the, the announcement and the declaration of an expectation and faith of parents over the birth of the child and any child being born, it's, we cannot watch a video of children being born without getting choked up in our household with Pat and I, just by ourselves watching TV. <laughs> It's just like this amazing, like supernatural, natural event. Yet women have children every day, hour by hour, minute by minute. But yet it's still the continued promise and the potential of great life that, that God is with us and in us. And in the context of which he comes into our lives is the birth of a child or a son which is just amazing in the context of family, in the context of the ordinary, everyday, yet magnificent truth. It's just stunning. So take your brain off of a fantasy or some fairy tale story and realize this is an absolute truth prophesied from the very beginning of time in God's heart and throughout the ages of who he really is. The breakdown of these words are just beautiful, and I just want to share them with you. Prince, the word prince means Ruler, chief person, captain, keeper. I love the word keeper in there. Lord and master and principal steward. Well, John, well, that's okay, great. And why a prince and not a king? I don't know. The prince, I haven't chosen the words, but prince is beautiful. But I love the word keeper and principal steward because it implies with it that it's an ongoing thing that God is doing. That in your life, that in my life, that as I'm going through all the conflicts and the life, just how it happens, that in that God is keeping the peace in my life. He's stewarding and ready and, and prepared to release it in my life. Certainly release it in general, in microcosm, in macrocosm. In other words, in the, the cosmic world where there is 
a break between man and God, God fixed this and brought peace into our world where there is such a stress. Now he changed that. Now it sits beaconing or beckoning to us, and yet he's still the keeper in person, extending it into our life whenever we turn to him. It's wonderful. It's amazing. It's magnificent. And it's real. It's real. That's what I love about the story. He's real. People handled the Son of God. They carried him. They touched him. It wasn't you couldn't touch him. You could put your hands all over him. You couldn't stop him still. He was going to be the Savior of men. And God set him in the most obscure places. But men put their hands on him and touched him and lived beside him. And he grew up right in the midst of them. That's so fascinating and true. It's never ending and it's, it's echo into our hearts. It's, it's, it's wave into our lives. And it says that it's a prince. I love that part, that he's a principal steward. Then the word peace, which you know this word. Everybody, if you've been in Christendom just half a year, you'll hear the word shalom, shalom, right? You know, so this beautiful Hebrew word, beautiful and Christian word, if I could say it. And that shalom means this. It means well-being, rest, happy, well, prosperity, health, body, soul, and spirit, safety, whole and complete. I love this word. Charles often says it, nothing missing, nothing broken, but it's the wholeness of God that comes into us, the completeness. <laughs> like how many times this week was your life fragmented? How many times this week you're picking up the pieces and trying to hold on to it? Um, I got this one down, this, oh, another one. You know, I especially look at families with young kids like, wow, you're just in the middle of it. You know what I mean? So at least the old people get to breathe a little bit in between old people. The ones who have, they not have the kids. But, you know, but, but our lives are so, and there, we have so much desire out on so many things and so much purpose in so many things. But of course, in the broken world and world in which you will have tribulation, it doesn't seem like it's always going on that way, does it? And that God comes into that fragmentation and brings a wholeness that's really powerful right there. Ooh, we're going to unpack this a little bit more. The other scripture I'm going to share with you is, of course, Luke 2, verses 14. It's wonderful. It's the, it's the angels. There is the, ah, and they're in the field, and the, the, all of a sudden, the light. Can you just imagine this a hundred different ways, a hundred different years, thinking through this, like, what? Was the whole sky filled with what? But they shout out, glory to God in the highest, and on earth, peace goodwill to men. Gosh, this wording is, again, the same thing. It's Irene. It's a word. It says peace, rest, blessing, prosperity, well-being, perfect well-being, quietness, calmness, tranquility, no strife. Here's what I really love. To set at one again. These are such powerful words. Made whole. To set at one again. Such a great explanation in this. I just want to if I could go to, to Ephesians chapter 2. Go over there a second. I want to show it to you. I have it here. I don't hear any pages turning. It's so funny. <laughs> Come on, don't you love your Bible? Bring it. I'm sorry. All right. No, Pat's like always quiet getting your Bible thing. So. This fragment, this wholeness, this setting up once again. See, Ephesians, there's so much in Scripture about peace, and Jesus talks about peace so much. Even disciples talk about peace. Peace and grace to you is what Paul often says when he speaks it. Now, here's a man who is so conflicted, so constrained, so murderous in his attitude at times, and God stepped into that life and put peace in there. Does that make sense? 
The conflict of doing your best, but it's never good enough. So much so that you held on to the, to the law that actually started to kill people because it was killing you. And God stepped into it and changed everything by a light in him and a transformation of this man's soul. And so these words are not trite when they're spoken. Peace I give to you. Peace I leave with you is what Jesus said. Paul says grace and peace. It is, has with it a, a substance that comes into our life. They meant it on purpose. It was different. The world wasn't defined by being happy back then. Most of life was defined by tragedy back then. This pursuit of happiness that comes into all of our, the, the governments of these days are new words in the last two, three hundred years. This entitlement to happiness. No, I, I know people, of course, they live their earth. But what defined things were so difficult. And God, men have broken through to civilization now. But in this, Paul is talking about peace. Jesus is talking about peace. And here, he actually says this in verse, chapter 2, verse 14 of Ephesians. For he himself is our peace who has made both one and has broken down the wall of separation. Wow, you've got to listen. He has abolished in his flesh the enmity, that is, the cloud of commandments contained in the ordinance, so as to create himself one new man from the two, thus making peace. What are you saying? Jesus stepped into the rift between God and man and the brokenness of this world, and he put it back together. How did he do this? Because faith in him, he took the sins of the world upon him. It's still a mystery to understand it. By dying in faith and then men having faith, what he has done in a personal relationship with him has remended, mended what has been broken. And so the world, I, we don't understand, but I think before Christ, the world was even more at this intense rift and difficulty, and the oppression was having its way on men's lives. But Jesus shot into this and shifted it and put it back together. From then, all the discoveries, the sciences have exploded in the last 2,000 years, just if you say it that way. How am I doing, okay? But what's so beautiful is that he himself, it begins with this, is our peace. So... He's talking, you're talking about a personal person who has personality that comes to us individually and that's where we gain our peace. It's not a cause or a system and God love the church. I love churches, but we can so easily slip into methods or the shoulds or the have tos or I ought tos and, and it happens everywhere, not as much here. I totally agree about that. We build our lives on presence of God because we're built on this person that you come in contact with. But in the fragmenting of our lives or in the great desires that God puts in us, the great purpose he puts in us, we still face, face a broken world that says that can't be done and you're fighting against those things. The best of families fight the most difficult of disabilities in the world because that broken world seeps in. Now, I'd have to say, at least in our lifetime, even more because the assault, the assault of information True or untrue rolls into our lives and from all backgrounds and disorders. There's nobody that's perfect at this. It's the world system. Agreed? And comes in to sift us and fragment us. And in this, we only answer is to go back into our souls and hearts and go back to Jesus, who is the answer, and see that he has made peace. He's the, he himself is the peace. In his presence, that's why we're such a presence-driven community, there's something that comes over us, even this morning, that settles our hearts and lives. God, it's beyond words. I can't explain it. I don't have words for it, but I'm better because I'm in your presence. The same in your personal quiet time, the same in reading the word. These things draw something eternal that, 
that, of course we know Ecclesiastes, that if God put eternity in all our hearts, it draws that eternity out like, oh. And then in the person of Jesus, of my faith, however and whatever parts you know of him, settles into you. And it's like, God, I, I believe it's going to be okay. Even though what is in front of me doesn't seem like it's going to be okay. Wow, that's the peace we're talking about. That's the prince of peace. Everything talks about a person. Every context is in relationship. It's not a system. The fact that we walk in here and attend doesn't make it happen. But what it, we walk in here and give, attend gives us every opportunity to encounter him. And then the dropping of the issues, the letting go of all the things that crowd out our hearts. Thank God, like, God, I remember, I just need you. I just want you. I remember I love you. Even more, you love me. How stunning is that? Gosh, it just changes our life. That's the Prince of Peace that we're talking about. That's the one who settled the rift, like faith in him. Can you imagine the disciples meeting this guy and overcoming even his own physical appearance? Like, we don't know what he looked like, but in that, just like you have found him, you believe this beyond the skinny guy walking around in white robes, like that he really is who he says he is. Wow. Could it be? Yes. And you become persuaded of that. That's the person that we're talking about here. In this, this Psalms 55 talks about cast your burden on the Lord. He will sustain you. 1 Peter 5, 7 says, cast your cares on him, for he cares for you. These are phrases that we're so used to, but these were ways of life, and hopefully they're ways of life in the days ahead with all of us, that as we take in this seemingly so known story, we also remember that this same story happened in our life, that the same people we entered into a, a, a family, an extended family with with Joseph and Elizabeth, Joseph and Mary and Elizabeth and Zechariah, he just deals, goes into families just like us. If you watch, anybody see the new Chosen movie recently? Hands? Or seen the Chosen series? It's like watching our lives, isn't it? Like, how did you do this in a little town of Capernaum? How did you do this coming out of Nazareth? But he did. He did it right there for everything, reaching back to the past, into the present and into the future. He did it. How did he do it? But that's him. And that's the peace that risked and settled people's lives. Man. Philippians, if you just slip over a couple of pages to Philippians chapter four. I used this scripture when I was doing an offering the other weekend and I just cannot let go of it. It says this, be anxious for nothing. This is chapter four, verse six and seven. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, which we just came through, thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds through Christ. What a great scripture. What a boom scripture in our lives, like a, like a nuclear power thing. Like, so I am, I am in conflict. I'm, I've got things I want to do. God, things you put in my heart, I can't make happen. I'm praying for my, my family. I'm praying for my job. I'm praying for the friends around me. I'm praying for my enemies. I'm praying over my stupid car. I'm praying over the dishwasher. You know, whatever it is. It's like, God, in all this you gave to me, you put me, I know I'm here. I can't make it happen. In all your requests, stop. Okay, make your supplications, requests be known to him. But in anxious, just push that away and do it with thanksgiving first. But then this, this thanksgiving, this peace of God, this 
wholeness comes over your life is what it really says. This completeness, like, God, it's more than I remember you are the foundation of my life. You're the source of my life. I love the translation in the message, if you can read it to you there. Don't fret or worry. Instead of worrying, pray. Let petitions and praises shape your worries into prayers. What a great line there, huh? Yes, John, that's amazing. Amen. Oh, thank you. I just want to check. Letting God know your concerns. Before you know it, here's it is. A sense of God's wholeness, everything coming together for good will come and settle you down. Now, this isn't like I'm in a trance, okay, guys? This is the, the reality, the truth that God is in control of our lives. We surrender to him, and he's greater than. He was greater than my sin, and I felt forgiven. Now he's greater than my circumstance. I know he'll still get it done. Does that make sense? So it's wonderful what happens when Christ displaces the worry at the center of your life. Go to Matthew chapter 6 real quick over there. Here's just a little illustration more. Therefore, I say to you, do not worry about your life. Boom. What? What? I'm still worried about my feet are sore when I walk up this mountain with you, Jesus. Are you kidding me? I still want something to eat. I still haven't had anything breakfast this morning. Can't worry about this, but worry about that. Just talking about how life is, right? Don't worry about life, what you'll eat or what you'll drink. Not about your body, what you'll put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? I wish you could see, if you could see, he starts this whole treatise or this constitution of Christianity from just a chapter before, Matthew 5, announcing the Beatitudes, acknowledging to men, I know the condition of your lives. I know what you worry about. I know, I can see, but in giving them hope that if you are poor in spirit, recognizing that you have need, then God will answer. If you're mourning, he'll, he'll give you comfort. If, you, if you're thirsting, he'll give you, he'll fill your hearts. So he's acknowledging the conditions of men's lives, the souls that men are, not just what they do, but what they worry about or what constricts them or holds them back or suffers their faith. And he's addressing this and he brings it into, okay, look, let's get real. You worry about all the little, you worry about what you eat, you worry about what you drink, you worry about your food. But life is so much more than that. He's not saying not to ever think about these things. We have to, don't we? You had to pick up your clothes that you're gonna wear out today and get them washed and all that stuff. You have to, today, you had to do that. Every day you've got a list of things. Women, how many lists do you have? Men, if you don't have any, turn to your left or right, they'll give you some, okay? So <laughs> I, that was such a, not a politically smart thing to say, was it? So... I have lists. I do have lists. I have few. All right, so. But in this, he's not saying you don't attend to them, but in this, remember the source, the peace. Don't be, don't be fragmented. Don't be twisted by the things that you have to do. But go into those things with the sense that God, life is more than this. It's more than this. He talks about the birds of the air, and God feeds them. He goes, oh, I'm going to talk about this, and then he goes on to what I'm going to share about next. But I love I love the sense of God's wholeness settling us down out of Philippians 4, verses 6 and 7. In this season and in a practice of life, of all people in our suffering and fighting, especially bringing the truth to bear in people's lives, we're going to get pushback on this. But of course, of all people, we have to be centered on what makes us whole. God, you'll fill in the gaps. You'll fill in my lackings. You'll fill in my inabilities. But for all that I can, I'm going to move forward toward you and attend to these things. But I'm going to remember that you love me and you've settled the 
argument between God and men, and we are at peace. That is so powerful. When Jesus says, I peace I leave to you, this is the very last things he's saying to his men. Look, I know, and he's looking from then all the way up to us today. I know the things you're going to face, but don't forget in the midst of this, we're good. You and I are good. And even if you're not perfect, I can overcome your imperfectness if you will come to me. Does that make sense? Gosh, this is like, this is like drinking cold water in a, in a fiery desert. This is like refreshing to our souls. Like, God, and where can you, how often can you touch this? All day long, every minute, and all of your striving and marriages and work and your children and all this. God, I remember, I'm keeping my connection to that. And in this, God, then I'll attend to. Because life is more than what I have to attend to. It's the source of life with you. Oof. I love this wholeness. So think as we go through the days, where's your wholeness? Let God be the wholeness in your life. Let him be the Prince of Peace. Three things really briefly I'm going to share with you in just a couple of minutes. Just I think through this past couple of weeks, I really recognize there's so many teachings on peace. All of them are good. All of them are good, okay? But I would love to give you out of this story just three parts. One, the road to peace. It says actually in Luke 1, 79, that they've seen, a, the, the, those in the shadows or darkness have seen a great light, but it goes on that he will, God, where is it? There it is, to guide her, but but to guide our feet into the way of peace. This light will guide us into the way of peace. So that's implying that there's going to be a choice in here and your days ahead that you can either take the path to unpeace, <laughs> if, I don't know what else you could call it, chaos, like, and never mind. Anyway, or you can take the path to peace. So path to peace, okay? So some of those paths, I think, are really great out of this story. One would be humility, humbleness. Oh, yeah, okay. No, really, let's say it this way, brokenness. The part where we're broken. You can be a smash on the ground or you can just, it's the leaning of our lives into God like, God, I, I know I need. I know I need. I know I'm, I'm not enough and so I'm moving towards you. There's such a transition in a person's life when they are humbled like that. I believe God pours into the humble. I really do. When we humble ourselves, then immediately that completeness of God comes around our lives and completes us. It fills us up. Isn't it amazing that of, all, of the whole way God can enter into the world, he does it in the humblest of settings. Doesn't that just pound at you in a good way, echo into your heart? Like, there wasn't a palace he was born in. I know, I, we know all this. We could say, I've been saved for 40 years. You could say all this, but I never get tired of the story of a new avenue of humility in this story. The, the, the manger, the, the feed trough, the no room for them to be in in, in in Luke 2, verses 6 and 7. The shepherds, the lowliest of people. I mean, I'm not picking on anybody. They're just like... They're, they have no home. They hang out. They're sojourners. They, they are homeless. It seems like the whole, the whole theme here is less. Whatever there's less, God is the more. And the recognizing of less, I don't care if you're, if you're a billionaire, the understanding that the we aren't enough. Like Ephesians, I was sharing this the other day, it's Ephesians 6, verse 13, right before you get into the armor of God. It says, be prepared. You're going to face some things that are greater than you are overcoming, that, are great, that you cannot face alone, is actually what it says, the translation. This is right before the armor of God. So be aware. So sometimes we just swing right past it, right into the armor, but 
here's the warning. Here's the choice. Like, it's going to overcome you. It will. You're not, if you don't prepare, you're going to be overcome and it's going to be greater than you. And so you're not designed, actually, I love the end of it. You're not designed to face this on your own. And how many know, as soon as you do, you're swinging at the air, right? But as soon as you don't, and God help me, then you hit the, the target. God, just say, God. I love the humility of the shepherds. I love the humility of the setting. I'm still discovering. I'm still pouring it out. Isn't it interesting in Matthew 6, 25, I just showed you there, that don't worry about your life. The next movement is 6:33. Seek the kingdom. Seek first the kingdom of God. That's his answer to don't worry about your life. Which brings me to my second point, searching. I love the humility of the Christmas story, but I love the searching of the Christmas story. We all know this. The wise man, leave everything and come. It sounds like some type of fairy tale, doesn't it, really? They bring gold and frankincense and myrrh. But they brought gold, they bought frankincense, and they brought myrrh thousands of miles to reach this person. And they were all, they had an audience with Herod in two seconds, so these men had stature and power. They were kings, is what they said. And so they took time, costly expense to come to see the Christ child, and they took time out of their lives and their families to come and find the truth. So it's still wise to seek him. It's still wise to search for God. Not just find him once and then when we're done. I'm still trying to figure out who he is. This is a being who's outside of time. How do you figure that? This is a person that is intricately involved in my life, but is the master designer of the universe. I still can't figure that out. Like, how do you design things? We'll, in my lifetime, never understand, but I know it's true. And yet you still take time to be totally interested in my life, knowing the hairs on my head. That's stunningly personal, isn't it? Wise men, and we choose, they say wise men. So it is still, to say it, it's wise, it's life, it's peace. God meets us in the seeking. Where have you sought him lately? I know we're in this crazy church coming, you have this sense of moving forward, but all of us have places where we just settle and then it just slows back and then we don't feel him and then I don't really know. But when we're pursuing, when we're answering, we're pursuing, we're inquiring, we're moving toward, we're fighting the fight. Isn't that amazing? God comes, that wholeness, he, he answers. Isn't it great he answers sometimes more than words? In a, in a presence, like, gosh. Or in a struggle. I know many of us have conflicts and struggles, and that many of us are moving, are, are, are at peace, but still there's so much to learn about God. And in that, he comes in his wholeness, begins to settle our souls, and he begins to communicate who he is more than words. Gosh. I mean, I mean, here's Mary and Joseph in this situation. In need of everything that a father would want to provide, a mother would want to provide, at the cost of separating themselves from their family, at the cost of their reputation, and yet they're at total peace because everything they've ever wanted and dreamed for Everything in the past, in the present, and the future is right there for them, man. God, we have this child who's the son of the living God, and he's the Messiah of all. He's even our Messiah. It's like, God, he's just right there in person. It's just such a powerful and fascinating reality. 
that we cannot and must not glance over. And that same story entering our lives is true today. Read the story of Mary when she responds going to live this. It's a story of salvation for every person's soul. It's exactly what happens to your soul. The declaration of purpose from Zechariah and the blessing is exactly the, the mandate for us into Christendom. Gosh, it's just, just as alive and real today if you read it as it was back then 2,000 years ago. Just is true. Take the time and read it. So the third one I just say is faith or belief, believing. What do you mean, John? Well, more than just those words believing, I think it's a knowing that God, a knowing that God exists. It's the, it's the part, well, Randy Clark and John Arnott, they built a ministry on this. There must be more. I know there's more. It's the driving toward God and it's the, it's the willingness. John, isn't that the same as searching? Well, this part is the part where you act and you obey and you believe even beyond circumstances where you are. It's a knowing. It's, the best way to say it is a willingness. Like, God, I'm, I'm poised and willing, and at your word, I will do it. What's the example? Mary. The, the, certainly the angels come to her and tell her she's going to be with child, and she, she says, how? Not how, like, I don't know if it's going to happen. How is this going to happen? Like, tell me how. Of course, like, <laughs> I want the information. <laughs> I'm just, never, I'm not going to go there. So about women, you know what I mean? Like, all right, well, how are you going to do it? Okay, so there's a lot of conversation in our household. Like, how are you going to fix that ceiling? How are you going to do that? So, you know, but not that doubting. Thank you for not doubting. I can do that, but so they want to know how. So the other part, and then she says, be it unto me according to your will. So I don't know, that's just getting along. So. <laughs> but isn't it great? Isn't in Matthew 1, uh, 30, I think it's 35, um, Joseph, he wakes, roused from the, the dream and roused from sleep and the dream he had, and he goes and does exactly what the angel says to him to do. He acts on it, the willingness and the knowing. Probably Joseph, in conflict, knew this is, knew Mary was righteous, but he couldn't get past the facts. But the facts aren't always the truth, isn't that right? They're just the facts. I appreciate them. You tell me the facts, but I know the truth. So in that dream, that just, it had to just burst in him. Like all that he'd been so discouraged and disappointed about, but that still that, that little root of, I love her and she is righteous. I've never met anyone like this. It just brought it all back like God when, he, when the angel spoke to him, which was God speaking to him, wasn't it? Then it didn't matter who, didn't, who believed him or didn't believe him. He and Mary were the deal together. That's so powerful. Would that all of us be willing our, our, that unks to, God, I know that's, there's a truth here, and as soon as I understand or you, you give me a glimpse to it, I'm in it. Wow. God comes in that in peace as well. All these three are a road to peace. Humility, the brokenness in our life, not, not fighting it, but embracing it and acknowledging that, that God is the completeness. The search for him, the hunger for him, the hunger and thirst after righteousness, the pursuit of him, he comes in the midst of that and we feel his affirmation. And then the knowing even beyond what we see and have been injured on, and he speaks to us, in that, 
that peace comes and grabs our lives. Oof. Stand up. What a beautiful and powerful season. In my own life, I love the rhythm of the year. In about 11 months, I, I start to need to hear this story again. Is that all right? I like how God does that. Men and God have put this together. There's nothing wrong with that at all. My heart aches to remember the, how, the story about how God enters family. that he continually invades our life. He's still invading my life. Take some time and read this story again. Take some time to contemplate. Settle your heart on the peace, the Prince of Peace, the the fight, the kicking against the goads that, that Paul did holding on too tight. I just turned to God and said, come on. God, tell me this story again. Unfold it for me. The miracle, can I say the magic of it in every right way, the miracle of the infinite and the finite. Both together, beautiful and perfect. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Heavenly Father, Father to us all, thank you for your unconditional love and thank you for your deep desire to come into our lives. Thank you for fixing the cosmos through your son Jesus. Thank you for his power to heal, settle, for him to open the door for our lives to come into you. Thank you. In this season, we take you in. There's room for you in our house, in our lives. We make room. We humble ourselves, God, and acknowledge our weaknesses, our inabilities. We welcome you into our brokenness. We ask you to stir our hearts up to seeking you again, looking for you at every turn, listening to your voice. We ask you to rouse our knowing of you in all the great, powerful ways, but also in all the simple and very personal ways. We are part of your story. Just bless someone beside you. Just put your hand on them if you can, if it's proper to make a connection. And God, we pray for one another. Let your grace be extended to our lives. Sometimes hour by hour, day by day, month by month. Strengthen us in this season of celebration, of giving of seeing, 
and receiving. God, be with us in this Christmas season. So much to be thankful for. Bless you. Bless this person that we touch and connect to. Bless their family. Bless all that their reaches do. In Jesus' precious name. And we bless you back, Father. Can you say amen? Thank you so much. Have a great 21 days, and we'll see you back at Christmas, all right? <laughs> God bless you all. Thank you. The, uh, the altar's open for prayer, which we would love to pray for you. If you have any needs, please come down. Love to pray for you. Thank you.